Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major players in podcasts you can find Kyle and I under Burnt Orange Nation. You can also follow us on social media at Longhorn Pod, and you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's got greens, beans, potatoes, tomatoes, rams, yams, hogs, dogs. I got greens, beans, tomatoes, potatoes, tenders, tenders, and then we made it. Hopefully that really did well for the listeners' ears. Um, there, we will we will absolutely be tweeting that out at some point over the Thanksgiving um, day or days. Uh, so, so if you have no idea what Gerald and myself are are talking about, a what are you doing with your life, and b um, be be prepared for for full joy. But uh, yeah, man, it's Thanksgiving. Folks, listen to this on Thursday. That means you're hopefully playing this for your whole family. Hey, Grandma. To listen to while dinner, you know, is served the dulcet tones of Gerald and Kyle talking about Longhorn football, which brings, you know, more more peace and civility and agreement to the Thanksgiving table than, um, than you know, politics. You mix this in with whatever CD your family plays anytime you have company over uh, for the Goodridges. It was uh, Kenny G and uh, there was a Kenny G Michael Bolton collabo album that my parents Ooh, loved. Uh, it was it was definitely big time. So whatever whatever album you play for your guests, just slip this in there. Just slip it in there right in the middle, and uh, no, no, it'll it'll just be just like Careless Whisper or uh, Songbird as uh, the Kenny G greatest hits. Oh man, that's so beautiful. I I always just assumed that they played that for me when I came over because I looked like and am obviously a Kenny G fan. So I'm glad to hear that that's just a staple of the Good Ridges. So that's uh, that's nice. That's a fantastic anecdote. The classiest of the instruments, the clarinet, the <laughs> least classy fan base. Texas Tech coming to town on Friday, short week. The Red Raiders sit at four and seven, two and six in conference play on the year. Texas opened up as a ten point favorite, but spreads don't matter with Texas because at least up until last week, Texas would play whatever quality of team to one touchdown. Uh, you can be the best team in the country, LSU, or the worst team in the country, Kansas, will play you to one score. But they broke that trend last week, so maybe, just maybe, this will be a solid performance. Kyle, I, I'm still a little broken from the Baylor game. So, like I like Tech has Tech is your classic Texas Tech team this year. Great on offense, kind of bad on defense. And by kind of bad, I mean really bad on defense. Spread the ball all over the field. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the offense because they've got a little bit of a of a uh, of a quarterback conundrum maybe starting next year. Yeah, I think when you talk about Texas Tech, you talk about the offense first, and and it's very Coach Wells. Poor guy. I think he thought he was going to change something. Nope, nope. You don't change Texas Tech. It changes you out on the plains. Um, the, he is now an offensive-only coach, which is not his MO. But, uh, but yeah, they, they are quite a good offense. I think they're number 14 right now in total offense in the country coming into this game. So it is 
kind of your your run of the I shouldn't call that run of the mill, but your your standard fair Texas Tech team to steal your heart for. If you've missed all of Texas Tech's games this season, I don't blame you. Um, but you will see effectively, you know, uh, more of the same. But you're right; they do have two pretty good quarterbacks. Who next year it's going to be um, interesting how that plays out. Obviously, Alan Bowman um, can light you up for 400 yards and a half as he. he you know, is, is want to do um, if he's got all of his lungs working and, and no injuries. But right now the quarterback we're going to be looking at is Jet Duffy, um, who himself is is quite a good player. Um, won't go into the fact that he was good enough that uh, he didn't get kicked off the team when he got into some troubles. But he seems to have turned everything around and is now playing well as the, the main quarterback for uh, the majority of this season for the Red Raiders. Uh, almost 66% completion percentage is 16-5 to 5, uh, TD to INT ratio. So um, a solid quarterback who will make receivers better than they probably are, as is somehow the, the mold. I guess there's nothing to do out in you know, the night sky of Lubbock, then just figure out how to, uh, how to amplify three-star recruit receivers into pretty dangerous threats with, you know, two-star quarterbacks. I'm starting to think that Texas Tech quarterback is like a mantle that you put on. It's not like a position. It's like, it's like a state of being where when you take over as Texas Tech's quarterback, you just become this passer that can just murder you underneath and you kind of are weirdly efficient, uh, even though you're not that good. So I think that's what Jot Dufy, as we're going to call him for the remainder (laughs) of the podcast, uh, has been doing. Uh, But it's he's he gets unfairly tagged as a runner. And there's probably some coding to that we can have that conversation later uh but he's he's moved the offense in spots and he is he's a feast or famine guy like he will light you up for four touchdowns or he will throw like a two and two game at you two touchdowns two interceptions uh and there's not really an in-between but again because the texas defense at least this season has been the cure for the common quarterback i'm assuming it's a 300 yard four touchdown kind of night for duffy yeah i mean it's (sighs) It's hard to think that he doesn't have his career best because that's the thing we, we absolutely do. Um, I could see a bend-don't-break defense against them where we somehow give up you know 400 yards to, to Duffy but only 21 points, um, and our defense carries us through because, Lord willing, the creek don't rise, and we'll talk about in a moment. Hopefully 21 points will be enough to get our get our team a victory if the offense even does a little bit against this tech defense. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think Duffy is the, is the main concern and is going to be the, the main um, name that you hear about and, and know about. And that's not just because of um, the hit Disney sitcom, the famous jet Jackson from the late two thousands, or uh, I guess late nineties, early two thousands. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he struggled a little bit with some decision-making down the stretch. I mean, that Kansas state game last week, if you saw any of that, um, he, he's not a perfect quarterback, but he is a good quarterback, and he can be a dangerous quarterback. And so the, the prayer is that Texas has looked at both him and then all the receivers. They have not a singular Devin DuVernay or, or even, a, you know, Colin Johnson, but but a litany of pretty good guys. Um, I think, you know, they have 
four over 470 yards um, this year and, and multiple with multiple touchdowns. So they do spread the ball around, which, again, that may be dangerous if Texas' secondary has a weak point and they can focus on it. Yeah, I mean, them them being able to hit – because they're – I mean, you said it, but they're basically four guys that have 500-plus yards, right? T.J. Vasher is the, is the bottom end of their top receivers, and he's at 473. So, like, he's right on the cusp of being a – so they'll have, by the end of the year – probably five guys pushing 600 yards. And so I, I'm, I want to see how Texas attacks this type of offense because defensively um, it's been a bit up and down where they've, they've been able to kind of play press and play aggressive and force defender or for, force receivers to kind of get physical um, to get past them and to make yardage. And so I, my hope is that they don't cause they've got a couple of injuries on the defensive uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So I don't want to see them switch to that conservative zone that they played uh, toward the middle of the season that cost them pretty big in some spots where teams are just abusing you dink and dunking for, you know, six and then six more after the catch. Like that's a recipe for disaster and you die a thousand deaths at that point. The, the thing to think about with this offense too is coming into a short week is almost a good thing because it doesn't give quite as much time uh, to think about. This is the last game of the season, obviously, but this is also Tech's bowl game. They, you know, with four wins, even if they win against Texas, you know, are most likely not. <clears throat> and that's no shot at Tech's academics. I would never, ever, ever do that. Please don't hear me wrong. <clears throat> but they, they probably won't get one of those. Um, extra bowl invites for five win teams. Um, so this is their bowl game. They are going to want to take shot. They love Texas is always their bowl game, but at the last game of the year when they don't qualify for a bowl, all of these factors could be, you know, multiplied times 1.5. They, everything could play a little bit better. Everything could hit a little bit crisper, a little bit sweeter because this, this is, you know, this is the last one. And, and I think, that's that's the scariest thing for me is I think that Texas the one this is Texas Super Bowl right even when Texas is bad Texas gets everybody's best shot and so uh, Tech can come out and kind of throw the ball around the yard and play really loose and and let Jet Duffy be creative on offense and kind of just just play some backyard football and so I'm worried that if Tech comes out and is playing loose and playing fun and Texas comes out and they clinch up that this thing goes sideways on them real fast but I think part of the reason why I feel a little safer is because Tech the Tech defense is the Tech defense and it will always be the Tech defense uh (laughs) They're number 121 in the country in total defense, giving up 468 and a half yards per game, number 126 in passing yardage allowed. Um, And so Tech always has this thing where they have like two or three of the top individual defenders in the country, but be a tire fire overall on defense. And I think once again, that's what Tech is bringing to the table. Yeah, and it's funny when, when Texas, you know, defense was really struggling in the beginning of the season their offense was firing on all cylinders um and kind of the knock what we were saying there was i mean do we really want to settle for um you know a good texas tech team that wins eight or nine uh games puts up 500 yards every game but their defense can't stop anyone so they lose some they shouldn't i mean we right now based on the past couple weeks would kill for that um (laughs) this year but uh you know it they're they are almost the the shorthand, um, and, and maybe OU had a year or two um, in the end of the Stoops era or three uh, where, where they could have fallen into that as well. But they are the shorthand, and they continue to be for a reason um, that type of team. But 
they've always had a dude or two dudes. They could never get like five dudes enough to get critical mass of dudes. And I'm using dudes there to mean obviously football dudes, guys who are, are, are uh, above average players. Um, but they do have, they do have a couple. And uh, I think, you know, Jordan Brooks is, is the one who jumps off the page for me, linebacker, senior linebacker uh, for the red Raiders. Number three, this season in tackles for loss number eight. And generally in solo tackles in 13 in total tackles. He's a guy who you're going to hear his name a lot on the broadcast. He's going to be flying around. He's going to be hitting people. He's going to be tackling running backs. He's going to be playing um, in short drops, um, um, tackling underneath passes. He's going to be uh, all over the place. So, so definitely a name you'll need to get familiar with. If Texas can figure out a way to neutralize a couple of their better assets, um, maybe that's a spark they can use to get get something going on that offense. And I think it's, it's going to be interesting because you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Brooks. Uh, the other guy that's, that's kind of toward the top of the country is uh, Douglas Coleman. The third, who is number one in the nation in interceptions with a ridiculous eight this year. And so like, as Sam is playing very, very clinchy, having Coleman, who's number one. And then a guy, DeMarcus Fields, who's number 41, which number 41 doesn't sound that impressive, but then you have realize that you have two guys in the top 50 in the country in uh, interceptions, 13 interceptions by two guys. That's scary. That That's very scary when you think about the fact that Sam had a four interception game earlier, and, and it does feel like we have basically gotten back to hero Sam. Um, if we can't coach that out in a short week and get him back on track and get him the protection he needs to feel comfortable, maybe, you know, the receiving options that make him feel comfortable, whatever it is that makes him feel comfortable in the pocket where he can let things and progress and not try to force it. Um, then, then you get a little bit worried about this. I mean, you remember the Maryland game, you remember kind of some of the end of plays against Texas tech a couple of years ago, which was maybe the, the most heartbreaking of that series of heartbreaking losses two seasons ago. So um, it, it is a bit worrying. However, um, I, I do think, I do truly think that um, Sam, if he's anything of the quarterback, we think against the number of 126 passing defense, even if he gets an INT, is going to have a day and he's going to prove, remember me, remember my name, remember my destiny for what I'm supposed to be for Texas and end the season on a note that hopefully carries into the bowl and then carries into next season with a little bit. It's never going to be the, the swell that it was last year, but just with a little bit uh, of a glimmer of hope for what can come. Um, I, I, I just think, I think Sam must have a good game against this defense. Yeah. I, I think this could be a slump buster for Sam. Like, I really do think like, like Sam has been in kind of a funk and I think this could be the slump buster for him. Now, granted, that that requires the offensive staff putting together some sort of coherent offensive game plan. But if there's going to be a game for you to you for you to bump the to bust the slump, that was a weird hard thing to say. I think <laughs> it's this game. And so you you said it right. If he has a really good game against Tech to close the regular season, he's riding high going into bowl practices. You got 15 practices left with your guys. You come out, you play well against. Let's gonna be. I'm gonna be honest with you. Most of the teams are probably be matched up with. They have more talent than like most of the teams they've played this year. So I'm curious to see how that works out. And so this could be again what sets Sam up for next year, uh, potentially heading into a new offensive system uh, with a new offensive coordinator. But that's a whole whole another conversation <laughs> to have, Kyle. So it's the part of the show 
where we give our predictions. I've been absolutely just awful these last few uh, these last few weeks. So hopefully we can straighten that out. So Kyle, we're gonna fire Smokey. We're gonna make our predictions for Saturday. So or not Saturday, Friday. Excuse me. So what do you think is gonna happen? So there's a couple things that that I think are going to happen, but the one that I'm gonna focus on now um, that that I think you're gonna see is is a Texas defense that that rises a little bit to the challenge, and I don't think they're going to be perfect everywhere, but where I do think that they are going to make some plays is on third down. So, uh, you know, Texas is not elite necessarily this season. Um, they're they're number seventy four in third down defense at about forty percent. Um, they have been trending better however um going back to the kansas state game which they won um you know held a basically a kansas state offense that was elite um at at third downs to five for 11 um against iowa state uh three for 14 i mean that that's the reason when you look at why that that game was so close and and why texas could have and should have and why it broke our hearts the first maybe not the first time the time before the most recent time um it was because you know they were they were elite on money downs, three for 16 if you take fourth downs into account. And then maybe the most heartbreaking part of that Baylor game, Baylor was five of 13 on third downs, but they got four of those via penalty, which is just absolutely heartbreaking. So I'm going to go ahead and fire Smokey that the defense gets a chance to, to, to again finish on a high note show some you know show some chutzpah here and and finish above 50 percent um or excuse me um it finished uh below uh sorry uh 30 percent on third downs let's put it um 33 percent right let's make it an easy fraction one third um again tech is about 37 percent coming in so holding them below their season um average and uh and you know just 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 show that they can get off the field and give their offense some good field position, hopefully to try to jumpstart them. I, I could see that. I, I definitely uh, could see the defense showing up. So I'm firing Smokey. I alluded to it earlier. I think this is going to be a clearer head game for Sam Ellinger La- against Baylor. Sam was held without a touchdown for the first time since the Baylor game last year. And if you remember, he left that game in the first quarter. I think it was like on the second series due mm. to injury. So uh, as a starter, since taking over as a full-time starter last year, Sam in a game that he finished has not been held without a touchdown up until this last Baylor game. And so I think that Sam is going to have a little bit of a game. So I think Sam is going to hit uh, 303 touchdowns okay. against the, the tech defense. And that's a little conservative because he's done that in a lot of games this year. Hasn't really, he's only done it twice in conference play 300. Well, actually he's done it once in conference play. Uh, the other three touchdown game was 273. So I think it's going to be like three touchdowns, 300 yards. He's only done that twice this season. So I feel like it's a, it's a little aggressive, but I'm feeling good about it, man. I really, I really, really like that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful that the offense gets it going if it's the run game and you're wrong hey i'll be okay with that but I'll if it, it is sam yeah exactly but if it is sam um that's able to kind of right the ship and get things back i mean it, it is a bit crazy to remember six seven eight weeks ago like it was not at all a a even slightly sarcastic suggestion that he should be in the heisman conversation we're not that far removed from it so if anyone why not him right why not the the, the kid who You've seen all of the intro videos to each game leading up why he's the 
leading UT back to glory and how much it means to him. Why not him um, in the last game of his junior year, in the last game that he has uh, senior receivers in Colin Johnson and Devin DuVernay ready? Um, you know, this is this – is, this, I hope this is the same game. I'll just leave it at that. And and I think I, – I have a feeling that it's going to be. So uh, we're excited for it. We'll be back uh, on, on Tuesday in our normal slot, kind of breaking down what happened against Texas Tech. All right, and I know you're, uh, you're, you're deep in Turkey by now listening to this podcast, so we'll wrap it up here with our favorite, uh, our favorite Thursday segment, the Burnt Orange Lenses, where we look at the greater world with a burnt orange perspective. Um, and we will start with um, a little bit away from Texas. We'll go over to North Carolina where we've opened a few of these. And in this past week, the UNC Tar Heels absolutely dominated Mercer 56-7 to to set up a giant rivalry game against NC State. Um, this is the big one for Mac, and it's weird to say that, um, but getting getting to a bowl. We've been rooting the drive for six. You know, we've been recapping every week how Coach Mac Brown is doing with these overachieving North Carolina Tar Heels from where they were last year. And really, it's kind of fitting, as close as he's been in every single game, that it all comes down to the last one. I'm I'm going to be cheering for them. I believe I'll be driving back to Oklahoma. I'm in the Wonderful Shirts, Texas currently, but I'll be driving back to Oklahoma. So you best believe I will have some games going in on the radio feed. I'm excited for it. So additionally, looking at the the Longhorns around the country who are figuring out the next phase, SMU quarterback Shane Bouchelle to suffer his second loss of the season, falling to Navy, bouncing back from that embarrassing loss to Notre Dame, the, the midshipman. But uh, Shane, decent game. One of his worst games of the season, but decent game. 16 for 28, two touchdowns, 251 yards. Um, but a tough loss. Again, SMU was kind of... The wild card, if they could go all the way through the end of the year, could they make a playoff bid? And then they lost that uh, with a crazy college game day, and it was like, hey, can can they still do it? Can they still finish the year off? And where are they going to end up? How high can their bowl go? Can it be a New Year's bowl? Uh, this does kind of erase some of um, some of those types of, of questions. But nonetheless, a great season for them and, and, and a, uh, a tough loss to take there. But we do have some good news for some Longhorn graduates. Jackson... Jeffco, probably not a name you've heard too much on this podcast when we recap what's going on in the NFL, and that's because he has taken his talents north, way north, to America's hat, and he won the uh, was a part of he didn't do it himself the 2019 Gray Cup, which, as we all know and all we're watching, was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defeating the Hamilton Tiger Cats, or as they call themselves the Tie Cats, uh, 33. To 12. It was the Blue Bombers' first Grey Cup victory since 1990, ending one of the longest CFL championship droughts. And Mr. Jeffcoat looked the part. Four tackles, two sacks. Looks looked like he, he was like his dad. He plays big in the big ones. Wanted to win that championship. Fill up the Jeffcoat family trophy case. My favorite thing about the the Grey Cup win is there was a fan that lost a bet the last time uh, the blue well, in 1990 when the when the Blue Bombers were in the Grey Cup that uh, they lost and he has not worn long pants in 19 years so he had a sim a ceremonial donning of long pants he lives in Canada 
and has not been able to wear long pants for 20 years, Kyle. <laughs> Two decades. Shorts in Canada. That's the most Canadian bet of all time, too. That's just so great. Like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, so I tell you what, big guy, if you lose this one, you're not going to wear any of them long pants. It'll just be short pants for you, don't you know? Like, I just, that's just so freaking wonderful. Gosh, I'm sorry, I need to compose myself. That's my favorite anecdote of 2019 that, that you've given me. Thank you for that, Gerald. Uh, any time. I True story. My uncle looked at me weird when I went to Barbados and wore shorts uh, because Bayesian men don't wear short pants is what I was told. Uh, <laughs> but thankfully, I'm an American, so it's it's okay. A real American at that. I do want to, because this is the podcast that makes official declarations, and this seems like the only time that we'll get to do this. Gerald, quickly, I need you in 30 seconds or less to make the definitive statement. Can it still be a Canadian tuxedo if you're wearing jorts okay as long as that poor man was not uh bedded out of wearing the national attire i feel a little less bad spirit of the law not the letter of the law (laughs) fair enough uh and some other uh alums at the next level uh we we mentioned it on the podcast but we need to come back to it mr quandre Diggs is having himself a time up in seattle again making that gm look like a genius the man who drafted puna ford and traded up for Mike Dixon and made everyone um, eat crow by those things being very, very sound decisions. Trading for later stage career, I guess. Quandre Diggs um, has been a great thing he's produced in his two games there and has been uh, had praise heaped on him by the former USC head coach, now current Seahawks head coach, Pete Carroll. I personally think Pete Carroll is a trash human being, but I like seeing Quandre get the, uh, get the recognition and a shot at a Super Bowl that he rightfully deserves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Um, now a guy who has not yet got to the 40 acres, but, uh, is wrapping up a career where we want to just, there's a ton of fantastic recruits in this class and, and every single one of them needs to matriculate their way to the 40 acres, um, sign some papers, fax them in, show up, wear orange, be loud or whatever, just, just get here and, and play. But there is a particular, uh, recruit who we've been tracking and, and had a fantastic career for himself, um, South Point Catholics Bijan Robinson shouldn't be a new name to you if you listen to this podcast. Finished his high school career with some just staggering numbers, rushing for over 7,000 career yards, the all-time uh, yardage leader for large A, basically 4A, 5A, 6A in the state of Arizona. And Arizona's all-time touchdowns leader. And he capped off his career with like a highlight real catch in this last uh, game that he played on uh, this last week. But it's just... I, I'm really excited for him, and I will be absolutely crushed when and if he flips to LSU. But we're gonna we're gonna keep the spin on the positive. He's gonna come. He's 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 coming. He's gonna wear burn orange. He will. He'll look fantastic in it as well. So so we want to end on an optimistic note here, Gerald. This may be a bit out of character, and you could keep it sports if you if you if you like to keep it on topic. But we're sitting here. This dropping on Thanksgiving Day, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the question. Gerald, 2019 has its ups, has its downs. Uh, what are you thankful for this year? This is going to sound super cheesy, and I think I said the same thing last year, but I think back to being in college and tell, we told somebody that you and I were going to have a sports talk radio show together, and uh, we were 
told in no uncertain terms that that would never happen. And the opportunity to do this every week uh, is just incredible. So I, I like this is an opportunity to thank everybody that listens, everybody that subscribed, everybody that shared, followed us on Twitter, uh, tuned in when we said something stupid on Twitter and retweeted it anyways. Like, thank you guys. Uh, I'm super thankful for this opportunity and, and uh, you guys coming back each and every week. That's fantastic. I That's a wonderful, wonderful answer. I, I will say I am thankful for 2019 has been a year. I've had as many life events in this year as I've ever had in any year. Good, bad, and really indifferent, but good and bad. Uh, Got married this year, and I'm thankful for for that, for the blessing of that, for my my new wife, for my new family. Um, I want to steal a Gerald quote here because after the Baylor game, there was a lot of negativity, and you were in in Shirts, Texas, our hometown, with your family, and uh, I asked how you're doing, and you gave me the quote that uh, everything that matters is okay. And it's good perspective no matter what happens. We are not uh, defined by how good our football team is. It doesn't make us a better or worse person. Um, sports are one thing. Our, our alma mater generally is, is one thing. Um, but, but there is a bigger thing, the stuff that matters. And, and um, I am wildly and unbelievably blessed. I'm blessed to be able to do this podcast with you. Um, I, I, this is the joy of my week. Um, is 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 tuning in and, and doing this a couple times every week with you, Gerald, and to the listeners, all of the new friends who uh, have come to know Gerald and myself over the past couple of years. We uh, we appreciate it. We we are thankful for you. We look forward to many 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 more uh, of these. And and thank you. There is no us without you. That was beautiful, Kyle. You're such a wordsmith. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Don't forget to uh, check the raviolis at 400 when you take them out of the turkey. Thank you.